This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Investec Asset Management. The value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. Let's talk Turkey now. With me is Grant Webster, Portfolio Manager in Investec Asset Management in London. Grant, before we analyse the current crisis in Turkey, perhaps we could go back a bit, have a look at how Turkey went from emerging market darling to its current pariah status. What's happened over the last few years? Give us a brief history, if you would. Sure. Hi, Lindsay. I mean, if you go all the way back, it was in 2000, 2001 that Turkey Turkey had its previous crisis, also a debt crisis that led to political change in the country. The AKP came into power, led by Erdogan and a few other people who are unfortunately no longer in the government. And they followed all the rules, so to speak. So the IMF were involved. You know, they brought inflation down. They kept interest rates very high. They reduced growth. And as I say, they followed kind of the rules of the game. And what you saw was, you know, very strong growth. Uh, they did a fantastic job running the economy. And um, debt levels came down. But they started to build up some imbalances. You know, dollar-denominated debt has grown in the economy. They also have run a consistently high current account deficit. So they're importing far more than they are exporting much of those imports in the form of oil but what it means is that you don't build up a savings base in the economy and you become increasingly reliant on financial flows and in turkey's case those come in the form of portfolio flows which yes. you know can uh, reverse very quickly not fdi and so they've always been fairly vulnerable to changes in the global economy to changes in what we call financial conditions. And, you know, they've had a number of occasions over the last years where, you know, we thought they might be in trouble, but they've always come back from the brink. And they've always done the right thing at the end of the day, hiked rates aggressively, slowed the economy, brought inflation slightly under control, and then they've continued on. But in the previous episodes, I think what's also helped them is the global backdrop has been very supportive. So they've had the help of inflows into emerging markets and vast amounts of liquidity globally, you know, from the likes of the Fed and the ECB. And last year, in fact, that certainly helped them. This time around, things are obviously very different. They don't have that backstop. And so what's called for is, is higher rates. And they've been even more reluctant than in the past to actually tighten uh, policy. So they're in a very tricky situation. So this is nothing new. I distinctly remember an ex-colleague of mine when I worked in London in the 1980s. It was maybe 10, 12 years ago. He phoned me and said, why didn't you come to Turkey? Which I did. He'd built a beautiful house on a hill overlooking the southern coast. He told me he'd put a chunk of his money into a Turkish bank and was receiving 16%. He said at the time the lira was quite stable, but things have, of course, gone all right since then. And since then, we come to the present day. What has precipitated this current crisis, because it seems to be gaining momentum, a little bit of a breather as we speak, but it's become really nasty in the last week or so. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there are a few things. They're all kind of the confluence of things which have made it worse. Um, Firstly, they held elections recently, and Erdogan won the presidential elections, and the AKP managed to just win in the parliamentary elections, although they had to rely on a coalition with the nationalist MHP party. So that was really the first thing. What that election also brought was uh, it brought into effect some constitutional changes, which has delivered far more power to Erdogan, which clearly market never likes, particularly given his, his history. And then he selected his cabinet, and in his cabinet selection, he chose his son-in-law, 
as the finance minister. Yes. And he's not, I wouldn't say he's particularly qualified for the job, unfortunately. And of course, he toes the same line that Erdogan does. He was interviewed, actually, sorry to interrupt you, Gordon. He was interviewed on one of the international television stations and he was sweating bullets. He was dodging questions. He was clearly not qualified for the job and that just doesn't add to the confidence levels. But anyway, I interrupted. Please carry on. No, not at all. No, you're quite right. That's that's exactly the case. In fact, all the really good orthodox policy makers, the technocrats, unfortunately, have been pushed out. So that's very worrying. But then what's further compounded with this, of course, is relations with the West and in particular the US. Turkey, since the coup, has tried to buy some defense missiles from the Russians, what these S-400 so-called weapons, which being a NATO ally never goes down well, particularly when you're trying to buy them from a country which is sanctioned by the US. So that hasn't gone down well. And then also in the thousands of arrests, that Erdogan has made since the coup attempt in 2016. He's arrested a pastor, a U.S. pastor who works and lives in Turkey, Andrew Brunson, and the Americans have demanded his release. It seems like behind the scenes there was a deal done to have the pastor released in exchange for other political detainees in Israel, um, Turkish detainees, the uh, Turkish prisoners were released, but the Turks, it seems, never followed through on their side of the deal. So that infuriated the Americans, as you can imagine, yes. and it's just really escalated from there. It really has. And you mentioned Russia, and then you look at where Turkey is and its burgeoning population and its membership of NATO and its geographically strategic importance, and all these things come together and really produce a very nasty and toxic cocktail of uh, potential events that could lead to contagion elsewhere. We're seeing evidence of that already. We've seen the rupee in India coming under pressure. We've seen the South African rand coming under pressure. And when Chinese growth figures uh, or economic data doesn't come in as planned as it didn't this morning, then the whole thing can build up into something a little bit more unpleasant than we've even experienced in the last two weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, investors tend to draw lines between these things and and look, you know, for the the next vulnerable uh, candidate. But, you know, I'd hasten to add that I don't think it's entirely just Turkey, you know, that this is causing the contagion effect. For much of, you know, the last couple quarters, we've seen uh, weakness in global markets, weakness in emerging markets on the back of, you know, a slight dip in, in the growth numbers. I mean, still had good growth numbers globally, but there's been a slight loss in momentum. Plus, you know, with the Fed continuing to hike, that's pushed up um, financing costs globally. So, you know, there are numerous things taking place here, and, and I think those are also driving markets. I mean, you look at the markets today, as you say, and, and emerging markets aren't performing particularly well at a time where actually the lira is more stable. There are many things going on here. I think your point on you know the size of the economy, the size of the population in Turkey, and its location is key. You know, and I think that's why it's critical at this juncture that the Europeans engage with Erdogan in Turkey and with the U.S. because they really need to ratchet down rather than ratcheting up this rhetoric. And it's very good to actually see that I think today Erdogan and Merkel were talking and that they've set up a meeting between their finance ministers. Good. Let's hope that 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 discourse continues. $64,000 question, Grant. Is this a buying opportunity or is this just the start of something that is going to become more meaningful and meaningful in a bad way? No, not in Turkey, I wouldn't say. I think you've still got to be very cautious. The measures they're taking at the moment are very, very temporary behind-the-scenes hikes. They're trying to squeeze foreigners out of the market. These things only work for a short period of time, and they're not 
by any means solving the you know the main structural problems they have they're not improving relations with the west that's what we really need to see and until you see that i think you know you need to be quite cautious in um you know in your approach to turkey in particular Grant, thanks very much for your analysis. That's Grant Webster, Portfolio Manager at Investec Asset Management in London. In South Africa, Investec Asset Management is an authorised financial services provider.